Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the OFR Farm Report podcast. With me as always, my co-host Matt Kritzberg. Hey Matt, how you doing? Doing pretty well. Uh, this, the regular season is finally over. Now we entered a, the long, dark night of waiting until the playoffs start this weekend. So we've got a few days to mull over playoff rosters and everything else that uh, comes along with that. Yeah, fortunately, we have uh, some top-notch analysis on Twitter to keep us entertained. Uh, Dayton from, uh, from Nebraska put out his uh, 2023 Braves as Muppets. Uh, today. So um, <laughs> check that out. Uh, high quality uh, baseball analysis. That's that's the biggest, best analysis you can get. <laughs> All right. Uh, last week, we promised you guys uh, to give uh, that we would give our thoughts and kind of the overall, you know, what we thought overall uh, about the uh, 2023 minor league season. Uh, we also want to talk about uh, postseason roster. Uh, not take a whole lot of time on it, Matt. We've talked about this a lot, so I want to hear. I want to hear two things. I want to give our takes on who we would take and who we think Brian Snicker will ultimately take on the roster. Now, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna take the following as assumed, unless there's an injury. Olson, Albies, Arcia, Riley. Murphy, Darno, Azuna, Rosario, Pilar, Harris, Acuna, and Lopez on the position player side. Agreed? Yes. And then on the pitcher side, Freed, Strider, Iglesias, Mentor, Johnson, Yates, Jimenez, Chavez. Agreed? Agreed. Okay. So there's about, let's say, 20-ish guys that are definitely going to be there come Hell or high water. Right. And like I said, unless something weird, like unless Freed's blister didn't clear up and he can't make it, which would be horrible. But, um, you know, know, barring something like that, we know Morton's not going to be there. We know Jackson Stevens now is not going to be there. He was placed on the injured list uh, this week. Um, So let's talk about uh, position players first. There is one or two spots available. You can go with only 12 pitchers in this first round. And the four guys I have on the list for those two spots are Forrest Wall, uh, Vaughn Grissom, Chadwick Tromp, and Luke Williams. Matt, who do you think, who would you take? And who do you think Snitker will take? I think under both columns, the who would I take, who would Snit take? I think Forrest Wall's a, a shoe-in. In fact, it seems like Snit's showing more trust in him, and he's usually not super trusting with young position players like that. And he's got more playing time over the last few weeks, and I think he's a definite to at least get a pinch running role. I mean, the guys—he's probably the fastest guy on the team, and I think he there's going to be scenarios where he can come into play in the playoffs. Let's say if they're down by a run in the eighth inning, and Sean Murphy hits a double, that's Forrest Wall. That's that's Forrest Wall time. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, let's see that gets you up to eleven position players. No, no that's thirteen. I'm sorry, no, that's, mm-hmm. that's thirteen. Okay, yeah. So that mm-hmm. that's where we're at now. Let's say they decide to go with twelve pitchers and fourteen position players. I don't see them bringing Trump as a third 
catcher. I think they probably keep him at the the taxi squad or whatever they're going to be doing at Gwinnett just in case one of the other catchers should become injured. Uh, Luke Williams has been with the team for a few weeks now, and he's getting a little bit of play time here and there, but I think it's just more to fill in and rest some guys. But uh, Vaughn Grissom's kind of the X factor here. I mean, let's say you got Rosario and Pilar as your platoon, and let's say they pinch it for one or the other during the course of the game. Let's say a team starts a lefty, Pilar plays for six innings, then Rosario comes in after that. Okay, that, they bring in a lefty to face Rosario late in the game. Do you possibly look at going with Vaughn Grissom? I don't know. Um, just just the little scenarios like that that they might try to mix and match late in games. Yeah, and Grissom could also work as a pinch runner if you need two pinch runners. Right. Because, I mean, he's not the fastest guy on the team, but he's up there. He's certainly faster than the catchers and Orlando Arcia and maybe one or two other guys. So that that could definitely come into play as well. Now, he's not going to be a defensive replacement. Obviously, you got uh, Lopez for that. But uh, there are a couple of scenarios where Grissom could be used just like Forrest Wall. Yeah, I think I'm going to differ from you slightly. I, I, If it was me, I would take Wall and Grissom, uh, as you said. I think Snitker is just going to take Wall and go with uh, 13 pitchers. Yeah, that's just just the feeling I have. Yeah, that's that that could be the case. The only thing that makes me think otherwise is that it's a five-game series that's going to be played over like what a week and a half. I don't know, but <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, so many off ridiculous. days here. You're not. Yeah, you're you're only going to need two real starting pitchers and a third starter for one game. So, and you definitely don't need a fourth or a fifth starter. So there's going to be a ton of relievers who will be getting rest basically between every game. So you're not going to need as many guys who can eat three innings in the middle of a game. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about the pitchers then. Um, I gave you eight pitchers. So if, um, if they take 14 position players, that leaves four spots and the candidate, and there's a lot of candidates, um, and that includes Bryce Elder, Kyle Wright, Brad Hand, Colin McHugh, Michael Tonkin, Alan Winans, Darius Vines, Nick Anderson, uh, Ben Heller, A.J. smith Shaver, and Dazbel Hernandez. Yeah, I think we can eliminate a couple of those guys. Hernandez, we just haven't heard anything out of at all. Like, I mean, we'll... I'm sure we'll get reports from these uh, simulated games over the next couple of days, and maybe he'll get an appearance out there, and that might kind of uh, stir some things up. Um, Nick Anderson, I think, has been participating in some of this stuff. I, what The only thing that makes me think they might activate him at some point is that when Jackson Stevens was placed on the injured list, that, that seemed like a strange move at the end of the season because they could have easily just optioned Alan Winans because he was still on the roster and he wasn't going to pitch again during the season. I think that was a kind of a precursor to possibly putting Jackson Stevens on the 60 day IL and bringing somebody off the 60 day IL, such as Nick Anderson, if needed, or it could be somebody else down the line. But I think it was a way to help possibly free up a roster spot. Yeah, that makes sense. Now, as far as, uh, now, it, I, don't, I don't think the team even announced it today, but it was on the transaction wire where they activated Colin McHugh off the injured list. So that kind of seems like they're setting him up to be on the playoff roster. And if you have him on there, you've got McHugh and Wright that could each throw, what, three-plus innings if needed. Yeah, I 
We don't know necessarily if McHugh can do that coming right off the IL, but typically he could, yes. Yeah, or at least two innings. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but, but he's definitely not going to be in any kind of high leverage situation. Yeah, the thing is that playoffs, every inning is kind of a high leverage situation. You know, even if the score is seemingly, you know, well in hand, you kind of don't really want to take too much for granted. But I, I understand what you're saying. So if you take, so you said you would take 14 uh, position players. So who's your four, your personal four, if you, if you were making the choices? Yeah. Um, okay. Elder, I, th- I think he's going to be in there. Um, they may be, have a super quick hook on him. <laughs> if he has any outings like he has recently where it's the second inning and he's already thrown 55 pitches and is giving up base runners left and right. I think that's they'll pull the plug on him early. They're not going to try to get six innings out of him in that situation. I think he'll get the, the game three start. I mean, I, I think he'll get the start, but he may only go like very briefly or may even try to get him maybe set, let's, let's say one time through the order, but we'll see. I, I think he makes it though. And um, I think part, part of it, he has pitched a ton of innings this season. And I think part of it is he just needs some rest. We'll see if that helps improve things. Maybe we'll see something in one of these simulated games this week if uh, he pitches any of those. Now, uh, Brad Hand, I think, is going to be a sure thing if for no other reason. There's only one other lefty on the roster and A.J. Mentor. There's a non-zero chance. Let's say it's game three. Let's say they're facing the Phillies. Who's to say Brad Hand may not be the opener just for an inning because you got Kyle Schwarber, you're going to have Bryce Harper that he'd be, he'd be facing in the first inning. Get those two lefties get past them the first time through the order, get somebody else in there. Yeah. I'm not excited about that. Honestly, man, I'm not either. <laughs> I'm not either, but I'm not, 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 I'm saying that's a better than zero chance. It might be 0.5%, but it's there, but that's the only scenario I can really realistically see him being used in the playoffs. Or if it's say the sixth inning and those three hitters are due up, you got Schwarber and Harper in the mix that, but beyond that, he does not need to be pitching to right-handed hitters at all. I think Kyle Wright makes it. Uh, he's had a couple of successful bullpen appearances here as of late, and I think they're definitely going to try to get him into the mix. Uh, even, let's say, if it's Elder in Game 3, he going goes an inning or two, they can bring Kyle Wright to pitch three innings after that. So that might be a way to get him into the mix there. I don't think he's going to be like a high-leverage reliever or, I mean, like eighth inning, two on base. It, it, that's not going to be the scenario for right. I think it's going to be a way to get bulk innings if needed early on in a game. Colin McHugh, it looks like that, that, that they had a reason that they activated him at the end of the season. I think he's going to be on the roster. Would you take him? Uh, no. Because in the postseason, you need guys that can strike players out. And he just has not, I don't know if he's completely lost it or if his injuries have affected him, but I mean, his, his strikeout stuff is just gone. Like, I, th- I mean, I think his strikeout rate's been cut in half from last season. He's only striking out like six per nine. That's not what you need in the playoffs, especially if you got runners on base. Um, beyond that, let's see. I think that's, I think that gets me up to 12 pitchers. Yeah. There's other guys you can make cases for, but I think Winans and Vines, I think they're setting them up for possible starting spots. Let's, let's say if it gets to the NLCS and, Charlie Morton can't go. Somebody's got to start a fourth game. <laughs> yeah. And and who else are you really going to look at at this point? I mean, you got A.J. smith Shaver who pitched very well late in the season. Uh, could they possibly look at him to, like, say, go one time through the order, 65, 75, 
pitches. I mean, that's, that's some interesting scenarios there. But Winans, Vines, and Smith Shaver all showed some good stuff here late in the season. But I just don't know if they put that in the hands of, say, AJ Smith Shaver at 20 years old in a high leverage playoff spot. But uh, as the kids might say, he's built different. Yeah, if they think he's the best chance for, like you said, uh, where you have you have to have somebody that can strike some guys out, I can see them looking at it that way. I don't think they will. I don't think he's going to be on there. But I, I'll tell you who I would put on first. Uh, I would I would do Bryce Elder, and I would give him the game three start. I'm actually a little more optimistic about things with him than you are. I think. Um, his last start, it obviously didn't start well, but it seemed like he started to get a little bit more feel for the fastball a little bit and was keeping it down a little bit. And that's, you know, that's the key for him. He's got to pitch down in the zone. If the minute it starts drifting up into the zone, it becomes extremely hittable. So, but it looked like he made, he finally made maybe some adjustments there. And, um, and, and I think he's going to get the, you know, not pitching him this last week, I think was a good idea. And you mentioned the innings pitched and all that, and that's all that's all absolutely true. So, but I think he's going to do it. I think he's going to do the third start. I think he'll be okay. And if not, like you said, they can they can pull him quick and bring in Wright or whoever. But but I, yeah, I think Elder gets one of the spots. I would I would choose Tonkin, even though he hasn't pitched well recently. I think getting five days off is going to help him a lot, and uh, I think he's just. He's been a solid middle guy pretty much all season except for recently. And I don't think they'll um, forget that. And, uh, you know, I trust him a little more than McHugh. I would not put McHugh on there. No, um, I would not either. Yeah. yeah. This this is this is me making it out, right? So it's so I have Elder, I have Wright, and then my last guy would probably be, you know, it would be Nick Anderson if I thought he looked good in – you know, warm ups and things like that, because uh, he's a guy that can strike somebody out. But if if he's not, or if you don't think he's all the way back yet, I think I would bring in Alan Winans, and I wouldn't necessarily use him as a bulk guy. I think I would I would use him as a setup guy, perhaps depending on matchups. I was gonna say, let's say it's a six inning, and there's three right handers coming up. That might be a good situation for him. Yeah, I mean, and he's got and. I, w- I wouldn't be hesitant to go against lefties either. I mean, he's got that really good changeup that that, and he uh, doesn't have you know discernible splits really. So, you know, I think he's a guy that maybe if you want to save Mentor for later in the game, but you've got you know Harper up there, or you know, yeah, or you know, if Miami gets in Luis Arias, you know, he's he's a guy that I would consider maybe trying to get that out. But so that would be my. 12. I said, I think Snitger would go with 13. So I think his 13, I think, I think they're, I think you had it ex- dead on right. I think it's going to be right, Elder, uh, Hand, McHugh, and Tonkin. Just the fact that we have 18 names we're discussing for these 13 spots or 12 spots or whatever, that that's a lot to say about the depth. And that's not even counting guys like, say, Daisville Hernandez or, uh, there's a couple other. I mean, obviously, we haven't even mentioned Dylan Dodd or Jared Schuster because they're not possibilities. But I mean, because they're the not. depth and in fact, Dylan Dodd's on his way to the Arizona Fall League as we speak. But I mean, just the fact that we have 18 names to discuss for 13, 12 or 13 spots is is just insane. I mean, there's there's going to be teams trying to figure out how to fill 13 spots with what they've got.
Best being the Arizona Fall League. Um, this is an update. Warm-ups for game one uh, and uh, batting cleanup and playing designated hitter is David McCabe of the Rome Braves. Good spot for him. And uh, playing catcher and batting six, Tyler Tolvey of the Mississippi Braves. So uh, two Braves in the starting lineup, and we'll see if uh, any of the relievers get in this game. Uh, Keyshawn Augins also sitting on the bench uh, on this one, but I expect he'll get some starts, spot starts here and there because he can just play all over the field. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a, when Kyle Conley was there last offseason. He, he got into a lot of games, played several different spots. I think Ogans will get similar type uh, playing situations. Yep. All right, now we got the playoff roster all situated. Uh, let's talk about Let's talk about the 2023 minor league season, Matt. Um, and we'll, we'll kind of break it down in chunks here. And uh, I want to hear your thoughts on the upper minor leagues. Um, and obviously the main focus of the upper minor leagues is making sure that there was enough depth available to backfill in at the major league level. And, and of course, they needed that because all teams need that. But the Braves, by and large, especially in the lineup, were healthy a good chunk of the year. Yeah, they didn't, have, especially position players. Uh, I mean, you had a few guys that missed some time here and there. I mean, Chadwick Tromp got a little bit of time, but it wasn't significant. Uh, obviously, Olsen stayed healthy all season. Ozzy Albies had a couple of uh, bouts there where um, Vaughn Grissom came in for a bit and uh, they shuffled a few other guys around, but by and large, he was mainly healthy. I think RC only missed what one real stretch during the season, which uh, Grissom came in and played because uh, it hit with the micro fracture. Yeah, that's right. And then, um, well, third base obviously Riley played basically every day, and then left field didn't have any real problems. Uh, Michael Harris missed a little bit of stretch early in the season where Sam Hilliard filled in admirably. I mean, he didn't do. Hilliard didn't do much else the rest of the season, but he did. A, 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 he was the uh, Travis Demerit of the 2023 season, where you got a couple of good weeks out of him, didn't do much else, but you're very thankful for the time he did spend out there because he, he, he filled in pretty well and there was not a tremendous drop off. And then obviously Acuna and right field. So they didn't have to dip into the, the, all the minor league veterans down at uh, Gwinnett. They didn't really have to touch any of that depth down there, uh, other than Forrest Wall coming in and up. Uh, basically as a pinch running type specialist where pitching, that's going to be a whole different story. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about pitching. So the Braves very famously used 16 different starting pitchers this year, which is a franchise record. Now three of those were one time uh, bullpen game types are. So I'm going to not, I don't care about those so much, but the, the other guys, obviously a lot of shuffling back and forth, from uh, from Gwinnett, as uh, you know, Kyle Wright was injured most of the season. Uh, Freed had two uh, different times where he was injured. One earlier in the season was longer, and then you know, really the you know Bryce Elder, you know, say what you want, the tail off for the end of the year, uh, early in the year, and and even you know most of the middle of the year, he was he was the you know he and Strider, of course were um, kind of the rock steady guys, the guys that they brought up, none of them really took hold of a spot. Like I think we were all hoping they would. Um, Do you think this is a reflection on 
on minor league development? Did we bring up guys too soon and they weren't ready for yet? Or is it just kind of bad luck? I think the, the, the two I want to th- talk about in particular are Jared Schuster and Dylan Dodd. Uh, they mm-hmm. made the rotation basically on opening day. I think they that made a little bit of a delay because they didn't need five starters right at the start of the season, but they were basically, let's just could say they were in the opening day rotation. Yeah. Uh, but Dylan Dodd got one AAA start last year, and that's all the AAA experience he had. Uh, Schuster got more than that, but it was still less than half a season. So I, I don't, I just don't think those guys were ready for prime time. I know they pitched well in spring training, but I mean, look, it just takes spring training for what it is. You're facing a bunch of guys who probably weren't going to be in the major leagues when the season started anyway. But I, I and it, and it's kind of, I think it really hurt their development. I mean, not that their stuff is at the top of the scale, but they just got kind of jerked up and down all season long and. Dylan Dodd started to make a, a bit of a comeback here late in the season. He had a couple of, I think, his last four um, appearances for Gordette were really good. And then, of course, he made that final start on the final day of the season for the Braves and had a really, really bad first inning, but toughed it out and got through the next few innings without too much more damage. But um, the guys you were expecting to make that jump and contribute didn't, but you have other guys that came along late that nobody was really expecting much of that did, like, Alan Winans. I mean, Alan Winans was likely going to be in the Mississippi rotation to start the season, but with all the injuries at the major league level, and they had to bump up uh, Schuster and Dodd pretty quickly, and then Bryce Elder not too long after that, Alan Winans all of a sudden goes to Gwinnett, and he just tears up Gwinnett in the, the International League all year long, and then earned his way up to Atlanta. He's probably one of the, the best stories in the minor leagues all season long. And then you have uh, Darius Vines. I know he was out with a shoulder injury for a good chunk of the season, but once he came in, he got a little bit of time working his way up, back up from rehab. And then he he impressed in his brief time at the major league level. And then obviously nobody expected anything out of AJ Smith Shawford this season at the major league level, uh, starting all the way down in A ball. And he just worked his way up very, very quickly. And then he made that brief stint in Atlanta early on uh, where he's, little iffy and then that sent him back down for seasoning and he came back late in the season and even though he had a, a bit of an injury at Gwinnett and then he came in and contributed late so like I said it's the guys you expected that didn't do much and vice versa now I have I have a question for you um do you think they do you think they rushed AJ Smith Shaver yeah um yeah I agree yeah, I mean, I mean, he's still he's twenty years old. He doesn't even turn twenty one until after the season's over with. I mean, he he probably should be in double A right now. Yeah, uh, if you asked me to predict before the season started, I, I would say he probably would have finished the season in Mississippi. Yeah, and you know he was doing really well in the minor leagues, um, but I think he I think triple A was the spot where he should have kind of landed, right? Yeah. I mean, he was clearly, he was clearly, um, clearly overwhelming Rome. He, he pitched very well in Mississippi. Um, but, you know, he pitched one start in Gwinnett, I think, before he was called up. And I, it feels like that, that was probably a mistake for him. And, and I believe he only got two in Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. And, and I, I think, I think it was just a little too much too fast. Maybe, you know, late look in Atlanta would have been feasible, but I think kind of bringing him up and expecting him to 
take a rotation spot was maybe a little, little too aggressive there. And then of course, you know, at this point, Michael Soroka not being able to take control of a spot uh, was, you know, obviously very disappointing. And here's hoping that uh, he puts it together next season after a, a normal off season and hopefully, you know, no injuries in spring training. I think that hamstring thing that he suffered in at the beginning of spring training really set him back. So um, it would be great if he could take control of one of these spots in spring training, but you know, we've seen, we, we really can't count on that. It's, it's going to be, you know, Strider and freed with two spots and probably elder back again. And we don't know about Morton and hopefully Wright's healthy. Right. So there's, but there's probably going to be one spot, at least one spot uh, available. And I'm sure the Braves don't want to go out on the market for another starter. They want one of these guys to take control of it. And, you know, if, you know, and I'm sure if you asked Anthopolis, he would be like, well, we, you know, we, whichever one you want, you know, whoever takes control, of it, I'm sure in his heart, he wants Soroka to get it. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially with his contract status, he'll have one more year of arbitration and he has no options remaining. They have to figure out, hey, is he going to be the guy for us? And they may, it might be kind of a Michael Tonkin type situation where it's like, okay, we got to carry him out by default or we lose him. Yeah. So I wonder if they kind of jump in with that and give him a shot early on in the season and see how that develops. And if it gets to be six, seven starts in and he's not producing, we'll see. But uh, I mean, hopefully he'll just grab it and run with it and there's not going to be any issues from there. Yeah. Going back to Schuster and Wright, I think we both saw, you know, for most of their starts in the major league level and, and, and in AAA too, they had similar problems in AAA just the inability to put guys away with two strikes. And it goes back to what you're talking about. Sometimes you just got to strike a guy out and they weren't consistently able to, because their stuff is that has to be pinpoint command for it to work. And too often they didn't have that and it just became too hittable. And that's something, and that's something that Dodd in particular really seemed to, and you pointed this out, late this season, it seemed like he's starting to come back. And, and it should be pointed out that Dodd had an injury mid-season as well. We don't know how long he'd been trying to pitch through injury or anything like that. Um, so maybe that contributed. But late in the season, Dodd looked more like himself, more like the guy we saw in 2022 that, that we were starting to get a little excited about. And Schuster, I'm a little more pessimistic about, um, honestly. Um it, it doesn't seem like his secondary pinches has been as sharp as we were hoping at this point, but it's obviously way too soon to like count him out or anything out like that too. Yeah. I, I t- if anything, he needs to work on improving the, the fastball. I mean, he, the thing barely tops out at 90. I mean, if you're, if you're locating everything else, like let's say Alan Winans does or uh, something like that, he's got to be able to, work like that because I mean, he's got a great changeup, but that doesn't help if you don't have much of anything else working for you. And they work, they walk entirely too many hitters. Um, in the case of Dylan Dodd, he wasn't striking anybody out this season. So, I mean, but I think, like I said, I think he's got more potential there. Now his ceiling is still going to be back in starter at best probably, yeah. but yeah. I think there's, I think there's more in the tank than what he showed this season. Yeah. Let's talk about the bullpen a little bit. There were some opportunities here for some people, 
But kind of like the starters, nobody really seized one of the opportunities. Probably the closest we saw to that was when Desbel Hernandez was brought up. And unfortunately, he he got hurt, right? He, but his first several outings were very impressive. Yeah, uh, and I think that's kind of what they're going to lean. They're moving towards next season because this season they had some opportunities, but a lot of the problems they had were most of their pitchers didn't have any options. So either they had to go on the injured list. I mean, you basically had to stick with the same guys early on the season. Nick Anderson was the only one that had any options for the most part. And he was pitching too well to even think about sending down. And then when he got hurt, they started bringing guys here and there. Ben Heller had an option remaining. So he was a up down guy they used throughout the season. I think that's one thing Alex Anthopoulos is going to work on fixing next season and have several guys in that bullpen. They can move up and down at will. And I think Daisville Hernandez and uh, Brooks Wilson are going to be the tip of the spear on that. Yeah, I agree. I think those two will be, uh, I think uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Wilson is put on the 40 man roster. I know there's a crunch, but he seems like he's a guy I would definitely target if I was another team, you know, with, with spots in the bullpen in the uh, rule five draft. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see some minor trades made in the off season to try to, alleviate some of this i wouldn't be surprised if jared schuster or dylan dodd was one of those players to try to free up some 40-man space but yeah i think i think that's the plan for next season they can't get into a situation again where they've got a bunch of guys they just can't move around even in the case of poor performance i mean you had kirby yates pitching he improved later in the season but early in the season he was just really really awful and uh joe jimenez wasn't very good for the first couple months of the season and there was just nothing they could really do. And Colin McHugh never really came around at all this season. So you're kind of, unfortunately you had guys like Michael Tonkin step it up to kind of take that multi-inning reliever in the middle of the game type situation. But yeah, I, I, just, I just think that's a situation Alex would rather not have to deal with next year. All right. Uh, taking a step down, let's talk about Mississippi just a little bit. Um, my overall impressions were, that, and and we talked about this a little bit, but it seemed it felt like Mississippi was a team that's been stuck, right? They've got they've got players, and some of them are good players, but for whatever reason, it doesn't seem like the organization has been confident in them enough to push them up, and and perhaps with good reason. I mean, we've seen Justin Dean uh, move up to Gwinnett and just not be able to hit very much at all. And the you know, and at least three times now he's had to go back down to Mississippi, and we have guys that are kind of in that in that class with Dean, right? With uh, Cody Milligan and Drew Lugbauer, um, you know, Cade you know, uh, Waddell, Luke Waddell, right? And you know, and Waddell p- played a little bit in Gwinnett, and he did he did okay uh, when uh, Grissom and Shoemake were kind of you know one or the other were in, or or Shoemake was hurt and. Grissom was in the majors or something like that. Right. So Waddell right. played for about a month and went out and, and, you know, he didn't set the world on fire, but he did okay. Um, but when he was in Mississippi, Waddell was setting the world on fire. He was one of the best players in Southern league this year. Um, and, you know, Jesse Franklin, we've talked about as, as well, kind of, you know, not quite in that same group, but sort of in that same group. So from a position player standpoint, I'm not sure what to make of this group and they've got, you know, a, you know, we'll talk about Rome in a little bit, but there's a solid group of position players in Rome that's going to need a spot. And I wonder how many 
of the current Mississippi crew is going to make the jump to Gwinnett. Yeah, um, I, I think Waddell's going to be a sure thing, but I think that's going to depend on what happens with Shoemake and Grissom. I just kind of going back to Shoemake for a second. I just don't know what the future is for him in the organization. He's on the 40-man roster, but, I mean, they're not even looking to give him opportunities. And if they keep Nicky Lopez, I mean, he, because he is arbitration eligible, but they do have control over him. If they keep Lopez for another season and they've got Arcia and they've got Grissom, I think Shoemake's going to uh, possibly be packaged up and shipped out over the uh, off season possibly make room for Luke Waddell because he's earned an opportunity. I mean, there's really, I mean, he was in the batting title race uh, up until the final weekend for uh, Mississippi in the Southern league. So I, th- I think he's definitely going to find his way up there. There's no reason Cody Milligan shouldn't be finding his way up as well. I mean, that dude is an absolute spark plug and an on-base machine. I mean, there's, yeah. he's, I mean, I mean, there's some things he can't, do. I mean, obviously he doesn't have much power and he's kind of limited to playing second base and center field, but there's a lot of things he can do to help a team out um, from an energy standpoint. I'm wondering if he may have made his way to Gwinnett if he hadn't gotten hurt this year. Yeah, I think that's very much the, the case. Uh, he got hurt kind of in a freak accident early on in the season. I believe he threw a bat or something like that, and then it ricocheted and uh, hit his hand and knocked him out for a while. But once he came back, he, he kind of took up where he left off and went back to the top of the batting order for the Embraves and uh, and kind of acted that spark plug at the top of the order. He got on base. He moved around uh stole some bases scored a lot of runs and that's what you want from your leadoff guy i'm not 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 to say that's what's going to happen if he ever makes it up to atlanta but there's definitely uh, a spot for him up there at some point is it possibly a utility guy or guy that can play multiple positions all right let's talk about the rotation here for for mississippi a little bit um you know i think i think there's some positive things here luis diavia you know was the staff ace i don't think there's yeah yeah, um, as he pretty much was last year for Rome too. So that's two years now that you know for a guy we got off the Rule Five scrap heap. Um, you know he's had two pretty good seasons. I know he's on some top thirty lists of you know prospect list for Atlanta. I think the uh, I think MLB Pipeline maybe I'm, I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it in a little bit while, but I think maybe the Baseball American might also have him. So I'm looking at right now on Pipeline. He's the 14th ranked prospect. Yeah, yeah. I knew they they had him kind of high. Now he's a free agent. He's a minor league free agent this offseason. and if and he's someone that I think they might pull like they did with Tonkin and Seth Elledge, who were both going to be minor league free agents last year, and they put him, them on the 40 man roster to keep them around. And Diavia may be the guy. They do that with, however, I actually don't think, I don't actually think that's going to happen. I'm just saying it's a possibility. Yeah. It may depend on what happens with uh, the depth at the major league level. Let's say Charlie retires. Let's say if Wright doesn't fully recover from a shoulder injury and the depth starts getting tested, that might be what they choose to do something with Dave Vila in that regard. Yeah. Yeah, and and the thing I worry about Davia as he goes to the higher levels is again the lack of a strikeout pitch. Right? I think he's he's another guy that's really good pitching to contact, you know, he he goes deep into games, but you know, it, you got to be able to put higher level hitters away and that's really hard to do. Um and I don't know if he's got the pitch to do that, you know, but We'll we'll see. I I don't. I think they'll make a, a strong effort to try to re-sign him, but I don't know if they'll use a forty-man spot for him. 
And it's kind of that's kind of, it kind of speaks to what happened at Mississippi this season. Uh, the Braves didn't really trust the results of what was happening there because they were using the pre-tack ball the first half mm-hmm. of the season, and you saw uh, prospects like um, AJ Smith, Shaver early on, and Hurston Waldrop later in the season. They basically just use Mississippi as a pit stop <laughs> on, on the right. way to other things. Yeah, just basically getting a smarter starter too, just to say they face some uh, higher level hitters just to see what would happen and then move them on up the line. Because like I said, they didn't really, sh- between that and the ballpark they play in, I don't think you, it's, it's tough to read the results and get anything significant out of it. Now, once they cleared that pre-tack ball in the second half of the season and guys like Dave Vila and Domingo Robles, continue to pitch well, I think that shows a lot of those two pitchers in particular. Yeah. Now, what's the rest of the rotation? This has probably been the – I'm used to – it's so strange. I'm used to Mississippi being the home to of the pitching prospects, right? Usually the Mississippi rotation is really good, and it usually has at least two or three guys in it that are probably in top ten – in the top ten – prospects in the organization. And that just simply wasn't the case for most of the season with, I mean, Davia, but Alan Rangel was the other guy and uh, Domingo Robles, you know, another, another rule five guy, you know, and they, they both did pretty well this year, but uh, I don't see either one as like future major leaguers necessarily. And then you had, you know, you know, Scott Blewett, it's kind of a, you know, journeyman gone. In fact, he's already gone. And, uh, you know, Tanner Gordon was part of the uh, Pierce Johnson trade. And then uh, yeah, Bo Burns for a while. Yeah, you know, a a bunch of guys making spot starts with the exceptions of A.J. Smith-Shaver, who passed through. And obviously he was a big prospect. And Hurston Waldrop, who had three starts late in the season. But other than those two guys, it's mostly journeymen and – maybe prospects if you squint hard enough. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the story for Mississippi this season. I think it'll be a lot different next season as uh, mm-hmm. some of these college draftees and guys who performed for Augusta and Rome this season work their way up. I think it's going to be a pretty stout rotation, if not on opening day, then shortly thereafter. And I think it's just one of those kind of uh, prospects come in wave sometimes, and it was ebb tide for the most part for Mississippi this season. Just out of curiosity, this is since I just brought his name up. If you're going to guess right now, where do you think Hurston Waldrop starts next year? Mississippi, Gwinnett, or Atlanta? I think he starts at Mississippi. He might not be there for long, but I think that's where he starts between the depth they're probably going to have at Gwinnett. And I, th- I think the only reason he pitched at Gwinnett for the one start this season is because they just wanted to see him one more time. Uh, obviously, they were not. He was never in consideration for the major league roster, but with Mississippi's season ending, and they felt like they wanted to see him at least one more time. It's like, okay, let's give him a start at Gwinnett, and he performed well there. But I just don't see it starting there next season. But who's to say by Memorial Day he's not there? But I think it's going to be a matter of the the depth they're probably going to have. Let's say if Winans, Vines, and Dodd and Schuster and all those guys are, are back, they there might not be room for Waldrop even if they wanted to start him there. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're right. All right. So I think we agree that, you know, the, the rotation was, you know, it was competent, but, you know, not the, not kind of what we're used to from Mississippi. The bullpen on the other hand was pretty great. Um, 
by and large. Early on, you had Victor Vodnik before he was traded, uh, having a really nice year. Alec Barger before he was traded, uh, having a nice year. Kyle Wilcox was really good, and I think he's going to be a minor league free agent. And then contributions from others as well. Uh, Daisbel Hernandez, you know, came through on rehab and and then and then came off rehab and pitched for a little bit. He was excellent. Uh, Trey Riley, who's a you know a guy we've been looking at for a while now, right? Um, he had a pretty nice season. Um, who now? Obviously, Barger and Vodnik are out of the organization now, but none of the guys I said I think are you know, except for maybe Hernandez or long-term for the organization, really it's Hayden Harris, who was yeah. excellent. And then Brooks Wilson, who came in late in the season, probably will be in, at least in Gwinnett next year, assuming he's back with the organization. And that's kind of it. So I think there's a lot of room for Rome guys to come up, but it'll be interesting to see how hard they try to keep Kyle Wilcox around. Yeah, because Wilcox is super intriguing. I mean, the guy throws 100 miles an hour. Uh, the the Canicota Texera just absolutely raves about his stuff. Unfortunately, he doesn't know where it's going most of the time. But uh, but when he's on, he is super, super on. But even when he's off, like he might allow a run or two in an inning, but not allow a hit. It's either walks or wild pitches or hit batsmen that contribute to that. But his stuff is absolutely nasty. I think they'll probably try to keep him if at all possible because he has a lot of upside. <laughs> it's just a matter yeah. of being able to take control of it and be able to corral it. And then we got the other guys, uh, Jake McSteen, uh, who's pitching in the Arizona Fall League, uh, and Patrick Halligan, who, who pitched well for Mississippi late in the season, but no, but I don't think he's like a prospect by any stretch. I mean, those are guys that could also return next season to Mississippi and uh, help fill out that bullpen. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think the guy, of course, we saw it late in the season with Daisy Hernandez and Brooks Wilson. I mean, they were always on rehab, and Wilson stuck around for a pretty good bit. I think he stuck around for several weeks. Uh, but then at the end of the season, he got his move up to Gwinnett, and I think that's where he starts the 2024 season. Yeah. Now, going back to Wilcox just briefly, um, just to put in perspective that Wilcox is 29 years old. Yeah. So uh, – you know, he, he's kind of in a weird situation where his stuff is, is like you said, super intriguing, but he's, he's barely, you know, barely on the, a glimmer of being a prospect. Um, I hope he comes back though. Cause I, that would be a great story if he could, you know, make it right. You know, kind of like, a, you know, we said Alan Winans was a good story this, this year. Right. Yeah. And, I, th- I think just the upside would be enough to try to for the Braves to kind of keep him around. I, don't, I mean, obviously, I don't see them using a forty-man spot by any means, but there's oh, been God. several teams that've already, yeah, there's been already been several teams that have given this a try with them, and they just uh, haven't been able to control it. But um, I, th- I think it's definitely worth the effort, if at all possible. Yeah, I don't want to belabor the point here, and their rosters were kind of flowing in and out of each other pretty much all season anyway. So let's talk about kind of Rome and Augusta together, you know, kind of holistically Uh, on the offensive side, obviously I think of the big three that in, you know, ended the season. Well, actually one of them didn't end the season with Rome, but uh, Nacho Alvarez, Dave McCabe and uh, Drake Baldwin for most of the year, they were hitting and some 
some form two, three, and four in the Rome lineup. And not coincidentally, that's when they started, you know, when David McCabe came up from Augusta, that Rome offense started doing a lot better. One of those guys probably is the best offensive prospect in the organization. And I think you can you can make an argument for any of the three. Just out of curiosity, would you agree with that, or do you were you thinking of someone oh, yeah. else? Oh no, no, that's that, that definitely because uh, like I said, the, like we talked about, the upper minors just didn't have a whole lot this season, uh, and with um, Bonkers and not being a quote unquote prospect anymore, the, the the honor definitely falls to one of those three. Right, and and to be clear, clear if if Grissom had been, you know, still had a still had his their, his prospect status, he would he would so far be above everybody else. You know, it's, it's, it wouldn't be, we wouldn't even be having this discussion, but he's not. So the best hitting prospect is probably one of these three guys, a few guys in this area that we, I think we were hoping for more. didn't materialize at least offensively. And I'm thinking here about um, uh, Kevin Kilpatrick. And I'm thinking here about Tyler Collins and Ambioris Tavares specifically. Yeah, and, and Tavares, I mean, it, it, he's always had the glove, but he just can't, he just hasn't pulled it together as he did. Of course, he's su- still super, super young, but yes. uh, still but 19 it, years old. Was, be, yeah. 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 And then, and then, of course, he spent some time at Augusta and then got sent back down to the uh, complex league for a bit. But he wasn't even down there that long. Was it like a week or something? I mean, it wasn't long at all. It just seemed like yeah, it was a couple weeks. And he, and he never. And he never played any FCL games, right? It, he was down there, obviously, just basically workshopping. Yeah. And, and when he came up, he he did hit better when he came up. He was striking out a little bit less. He was hitting with a little more authority. He was walking a little bit more. But he was still striking out a lot. And he likes running the bases, and he's very fast. But he's not necessarily a great base runner, at least not yet. Yeah, and it's hard to tell with... Uh base running and stolen bases in the lower minors. Cause basically if, if you got any kind of speed at all, you could, you should be able to automatically steal at least 20 bases in the lower levels. Uh, and he did display a little bit of pop later in the season. I think, I think he's still a work in progress and he'll repeat Augusta, but it's not necessarily for bad reasons. Like I said, I mean, he's still super young, 19 years old. Uh, it just, it's just going to need at least more time to develop. I, I think the, he'll be fine at some point. I mean, I don't know what his ceiling is, but Definitely not looking at him as a flop or anything like that. I think he just needs more work and more reps. Yeah, I I I worry they're going to push him to Rome anyway, just because I think they'll want to give Diego Benitez the spot in Augusta. Ugh, yeah, which is as we've seen over the last few seasons uh, among shortstops. Let's say Braden Shoemaker, for example, where pushing him up is not necessarily the best thing for a prospect. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. So, so those three, but another, another thing I want to point out, um, you know, on a negative side for both Rome and Augusta has been at least so far, we haven't really been able to develop an outfielder and other, other than Michael Harris, who, you know, shot up really quick and was promoted right from Mississippi to Atlanta last year. We really haven't, developed an outfielder, you know, like a starting caliber outfielder really uh, since Ronald Acuna. 
you know, we, we thought Christian Pache was going to be that guy and he's had a nice year for, for Philadelphia this year in a reserve role. But this was a guy that was supposed to, he was the guy that was supposed to be the next Andrew Jones, right? At least defensively. And he just ha- hadn't been able to hit enough to stay in the majors and nobody else that, you know, has been even touted slightly as an outfielder has been able to really make an impact at the major league level. Well, not only that, it's almost like they can't even break the barrier to get from Rome to Mississippi. I mean, look at the upper minors and there's not a lot of guys playing the outfield for either one of those teams that even touched Rome. Right. I mean, you can look at Mississippi, look at Mississippi. Now you have Franklin. Okay. Um, Kind of, kind of a higher draft well, pick. And you've got Milligan, who was a second baseman that they converted, and Stevens, right, who's yeah. a first baseman that's playing outfield. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, none of these tools even now, when you get down the lower levels and you see like an Isaiah Drake, I mean, there's the possibility of developing guys, but I mean, it's a yeah, whole lot of we, guys that can that might be able to do one thing well. Uh, you got some guys who can hit for power. You have some guys who can hit for speed. You have some guys who can field, but you don't have a lot of guys, any guys really that can do all of those things. You have a lot right. of one, I mean, maybe two tool players. Yeah. I mean, two years ago, Tyler Collins was Isaiah Drake, right? Yeah. You know, but before that, you know, Stephen Paulini or Caden Morton, you know, was Isaiah Drake, you know, guys that, you know, have a lot of tools, but here we are years later and we have, they have not been able to tap into them consistently. Now that's not to say there hasn't been a few guys that have shown flashes, you know, Ethan Workinger, I think um, has shown a little bit. Uh, he struggled once he got to Rome, but uh, you know, he's still pretty young. He's only 21, you know, looking at the outfield for Rome this year, for example, uh, Kilpatrick, um, very fast guy, and a good center fielder, but did not hit. Uh, Geraldo Quintero, who we were very high on, uh, versatile, very fast. You know, he hits be- he hits a little bit better, but, you know, not to where you're, you're kind of hoping that maybe one of these guys grabs a utility spot at a major league level. And at least right now, I don't see that. You know, Morton was a disaster this year at the plate. Uh, and I hate to say it because I like Morton a lot. Uh, Paulini kind of came on late and just managed to get his batting average over 200. Uh, Brandon Parker was probably the best of the lot and he did get up to Mississippi, but we're talking about a guy that was, you know, a part-time designated hitter and outfielder at Rome. He's not a guy that you're projecting to the major leagues. No, I mean, he was a college bat. He was a college bat. He was a good hitter in college and he's probably expected to, tear up the lower minors and he's probably at the level he should be right now. But like I said, I mean, I'm sure he'll be a starting outfielder for Mississippi next season, but I mean, he mm-hmm. might be at his ceiling. Yeah. And then Brandon Mosquito, who's a guy that was in our top 30 uh, at the start of the season is now out of the organization, right? Batted 155 for Rome this year, just, you know, a, a disaster, you know, and that's just Rome, you know, and Augusta really wasn't that much better. You had uh, Jeremy Celandonio, who finally escaped the FCL uh, level. Uh, he's 21, so he's, you know, 
you know, that's young, right? But not as young as maybe some of these other guys. He did hit 17 home runs, which I think tied him for the Carolina lead league lead, but he only hit 188. You know, Tyler, Tyler Collins couldn't hit. You know, Bryson Worrell showed flashes, but overall inconsistent. Um, final numbers, not great. Um, you had um, some guys drafted this year come up and do okay uh, in Jace Grady and Cade Kern, uh, but none of them kind of blew the doors open or anything. Uh, Pierre-Olivier Boucher, you know, didn't really impress. And then um, and then if you get down to the FCL level and the DSL level, you know, you're pinning a lot of hopes at this point on Luis Guanipa. Right. And, uh, you know, some of the, some of the very, very young guys that were, that are not, that probably aren't going to be in Augusta until maybe later next year. Yeah. I mean, you got Douglas Glode who hasn't been tremendous, but I mean, they, they got, they signed the three international outfielders last off season, but I mean, it might be a couple of years before they even see full season ball. Yeah. And, and I think some of this is just, the Braves laser like focus on pitching at the tarts, you know, at the early in the draft, right. You know, Franklin, I think was the last outfielder that we spent a, even a, a fourth round pick on. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think there's been any, anything like that. So, and it may just be, they don't have to worry about it. They got Acuna and Harris locked up. Right. And then, and then they can, they can figure out what to do with left field. You know, anybody can play left field if they, I think that's the (laughs) Braves MO pretty much since the nineties, right? You can put anybody in left field if you need to, whether that's true or not, I, I might disagree with them, but outfield I think is the biggest hole in this organization and it's not even close. Yeah. And and of course that's changed a little bit from the last couple of seasons where like third base was a tremendous hole in the organization. But yeah, I, th- I agree. It's outfield down, but catching's pretty deep. Middle infield's reasonably deep. Uh, you could turn anybody to a first baseman if you wanted to, but yeah, outfield just overall, it's like, like we we're talking about. I mean, it's, it's, it's just putting the tool together. You have a lot of guys like Celedonia. Uh, he had a lot of power, but he didn't do anything else. <laughs> just yeah. a lot of guys that could put one tool together. Maybe. You have guys that could put two or even three tools together. They could rocket up the organization in a hurry, but they just haven't been able to accomplish that. And I think it's, it's these raw tools, guys, I mean, you, you, they have a low hit percentage as far as how often they'll succeed. And these throwing darts at a dartboard is just not working for them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would be nice to try to get a hit with at least with one of these young toolsy guys and teach them to hit. Right. And obviously, you know, they may have used up all their mojo on Ronald Acuna, who truly is a generational talent. And, and that's it. Watching him this year has just been an absolute joy. I know for, for both of us, but you know, I, I keep waiting for the Braves to develop even, even just like the one side of a platoon, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, because like uh, we talked about uh, Jesse Franklin. I mean, that's probably his ceiling is a platoon corner outfielder, but right. he's by the highest hope among the the upper level outfielders right now. And as I uh, heard on the uh, Mississippi Braves year end podcast, they were year in review. It was very interesting. I didn't realize it at the time, but his 
OPS numbers between home and the road, they said it was the biggest they had ever seen because he's only OPSing in the 500s at home, but in the 900s on the road. <laughs> so mm-hmm. let's get him out of Trustmark Park and see what he can do with that. I mean, but but that's still probably his ceiling. I mean, he's a guy who can play left field, he can play right field, and he can he's got some pop in his bat. He can steal a few bags for you, but uh, and also doesn't need to face left-handed pitching either. Right, right. Yeah, it would be, you know, probably the the best thing that could happen right now with those upper letter level outfielders is, you know, something like Cody Milligan and Jesse Franklin combine into a reasonable left field platoon in the major leagues. Like, yeah. if if and that that doesn't sound and that's not sexy and that's not fun, but you know, we just had we're having to pay right now. $11 million for Eddie Rosario and Kevin Pillar. And they did a great job this year. Don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, picking on them at all, but wouldn't it be great if we got similar production from a couple of players that we only have to pay less than $2 million for? Yeah. And yeah, I wonder at some point that they may look to kind of try to reset their luxury tax and have to, lower payroll in a couple of positions to try to get to that number. But I mean, if you can get a couple of guys like that to do the job, I mean, not 10 million off your payroll, that might be the path that needs to be taken. Yeah. And that might be the difference on being able to make a mid season trade or not that, you know, to f- patch a hole, right. When, when you're in the thick of a pennant race, but anyhow, let's, let's talk, let's wrap this segment up here with uh pitching and the lower levels here. And there was definitely a mixed bag this year. The, the rise of Hurston Waldrop's probably the shiniest shiny thing in the, in the organization. Right. And he largely pitched, pitched in the lower levels, but what else uh, was a positive for you? I think just getting some of these, uh, the pitchers at the lower levels that uh, either in the last draft or two, let's say Spencer Schwellenbach, uh, Owen Murphy uh, pitched reasonably well this season. Uh, there's some pitching in the lower minors. Unfortunately, not as quite as much as we would like, just because they're just mainly due to injury. I mean, you have a bunch of guys hurt. Uh, Cole Phillips never made an appearance this season. J.R. Ritchie got hurt during the season. Uh, Adam Mayer is uh, still hurt. Uh, it's just good. It's just once those guys get up and around and start pitching, I think they'll be in much, much better shape. But it's just the, the the quantity of arms just isn't there at the moment. But it's not through any fault or development on the Braves' part. It's just uh, the injury bugs hit a lot of these guys. And I'm kind of surprised we'd never seen Cole Phillips because uh, his injury, I think it were well past the, the Tommy John date. And, of course, we heard reports that he was pitching down in Florida but never appeared in the game. So hopefully he'll be ready for opening date next season and we'll get, be able to see what he's got. But he's a guy who might be able to rise through the organization in a hurry if he's at full strength. Yeah, I I think we are at 17 months at this point, you know, and it's so it's, it, I guess it's I, I, I will say this. I think the injury to J.R. Ritchie was a huge blow and Cole Phillips and Adam Mayer both being MIA is very disappointing. I'm not and I, I'm, I'm a little more worried about Mayer. Um, Honestly, because he had that internal brace procedure, which is supposed to be a quicker turnaround. And we have not heard anything about him pretty much at all. And that makes me think he had to have a setback of some sort. 
Yeah, and if he has to have a setback and then have to undergo the full Tommy John, then that's uh, a we're gigantic late, setback. Yeah, we're talking probably not toward late next year, you know, depending on if he, if he had to have that. So I'm not sure when we're going to be able to count on him. Um, Schwellenbach was, on the other hand, a huge plus, his, uh, his development. I will be interested to see if he starts at Mississippi or Rome. Yeah. Um, I'm torn. I mean, like, I, I don't know if I could predict that one right now. Cause they could, I could, you can make a case for either one. Uh, they did well enough at Rome to be able to start at Mississippi and, and plus he got his time in the futures game as well. But you could also make the case that cause he didn't pitch a ton of innings this year that he could use some more time at Rome and get the bump off to Mississippi within a few weeks. Uh, if once it gets started, but, uh, he also got all the, uh, recent draftees, uh, Kay Keeler, um, uh, uh, Drew Hackenberg, uh, guys like that are going to be probably at least at high age to start the season, if not even a little bit higher. Yeah, I think those two both start at Rome and uh, Garrett Ballman at, yeah. at Augusta. Yeah. Uh, a couple guys that I've kind of become high on from the international draft kind of came out uh, a little bit of nowhere, I guess. Um Especially, especially the guy I'm most interested in, Giancarlo Lara, uh, was in the DSL last year. Was an older guy in the DSL, and they pushed him right to Augusta, and struggled a little bit early in the year. But when he turned it on, kind of late May, uh, he was probably Augusta's best pitcher. And then he came up to Rome and did not look out of place at all. Big strikeout numbers. I don't know if. He's a rotation guy long term, but I'm I think his stuff right now is better than say Rodery Munoz's was, you know, and they, they have kind of and I mentioned him because they kind of have similar repertoires. Um you know, but not similar builds. <laughs> What's that? But not similar builds. <laughs> no, no, uh Laura's a big guy. You know that that may be enough to keep him in the rotation if he if he expands his repertoire. Um, I'm hoping the Braves give him a lot of attention because that is arm talent. Uh, Jorge Bautista also got to Rome. Uh, he seems more of a kind of a workhorse back of the rotation type, uh, but I also also like the stuff a little bit. Um, probably more so than uh, than some other more highly touted guys. So. Uh, it was nice seeing getting getting some pitching, starting pitching from our international efforts was nice to see. Yeah, uh, and these guys are I mean, they're kind of coming out of nowhere. I mean, you're not hear a whole lot about them, before, and all of a sudden, but like the Laura thing, I mean, that's it's a nice development curve he's got. Like, I mean, he's he's taking his lumps and then learning from it and expanding upon it, and then I mean, he just went off apps and, and uh, when he was at. Um, Augusta and then got that bump up to Rome. So I think he's going to be starting to show up on some prospect list here in the not too distant future. And it's going to be real fun to see. I mean, the Rome rotation is going to be absolutely stacked to start the 2024 season. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to watching that pitching staff. So, so I think, I think if, you know, if you're talking for, you know, if outfield depth at the lower levels is the, you know, is the weakest point of the, of the build, I think starting rotation at the lowest level is probably the the biggest strength right now. Would you agree? Yeah, um, and it was kind of the way to start this season because uh, 
all the starting pitching was at the very high end and at the very low end with the uh, the recent draftees and the the class from the previous draft class. But of course, they kind of hop, skipped, and jumped past Mississippi for the most part, and now they're at the upper levels and replenish the pitching at the lower levels. But there's there's going to be some kind of inching at Mississippi, so it'll more be more evenly spread out throughout the organization to start next season. It won't be just at the very high end and at the very low end. Yeah, it was weird, Mississippi, not having a really kind of stacked rotation like they usually do. I, I'll be yeah, and I, I, I think a lot of that was that pre-tack ball, and I think the, the Braves just went out of their way to have their prospects avoid a, a ball that they weren't ever – they hadn't seen before and weren't going to see again once they left Mississippi. Yeah. All right. I think with that, we're going to wrap up this segment. Matt, is there anything you want to talk about before we talk about our fantasy baseball results? I have nothing else I want to talk about, nor do I want to talk about the fantasy draft. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, We'll we'll make this quick and painless then. Well, I don't know if it's painless for you, Matt. Uh, I won. (laughs) And I won eight categories to two. Yeah, I'll be... be, uh... I'll be hiring somebody to do my uh, drafting next year. I don't know who, but there's got to be some GMs out of work that could use the gig. Yeah. Now, if you recall, after the draft, uh, I was feeling pretty down, um, mainly because I think I thought you skunked me in pitching, right? Uh, and the the people that listened and responded back to us was like, "Yeah, boy, Matt's got pitching locked up." And unfortunately, that pitching included Dylan Dodd and Jared Schuster, who pitched way too much in the major leagues. And, and too much in the minor leagues at, at times. Uh, yeah, it yeah. just, I, I bet on the wrong horses. Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, J.R. Ritchie was hurt uh, early on. So uh, that was a blow to you. Um, Ian Mejia was not particularly good in Rome this year. Uh, you had some, you had some horses in the, in the bullpen. Um, although Roel Ramirez turned out not to be great. And in either, either Gwinnett or the Mexican league for you. I'm having to look at, uh, many countries to try to get my numbers. Even one of the two categories I won in stolen bases, I won by a total of 188 to 186. Yeah. And I'll be honest, last week I put this together and I think last week I, I, I mentioned that I started putting it together and then I realized, oh, wait, so there's some, some players that are still playing. Um, but in that initial, initial one, I was actually leading in stolen bases. Forrest Wall stole just enough bases this week to put you ahead. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Oh my! Yeah, I mean, not that it, it really helped me significantly, but I mean, I'll I'll take it. But yeah, but next year I shall side, have my revenge. Yes. On the flip side, I only beat you in home runs by one. But to show you how how difficult offense was, just up and down the organization, you also the other category beat me is batting average. Uh, you won with a two forty two team batting average, and I beat you and- handily. <laughs> And it wasn't even close. Uh, my team hit 228. Now, they slugged, 
and they knocked a bunch of guys in and they scored. Um, they were very respectable in stolen bases, but boy, the batting average was bad. In yeah. fact, I had two, I had three guys hit under 200. Ooh, but they're a bunch of greedy yeah. guys who could get on base for you. Uh, well, it was, uh, uh, Celedonio, who at least hit for power, like we said, uh, Morton, who did almost nothing, and then Dean hit 199 on the season, uh, but stole a bunch of bases, right? So I thoroughly won, but um, overall, I don't think either of our either of our teams uh, kind of held up uh, through the through the season, and it kind of kind of goes back to kind of what we were talking about how. There were a lot of disappointments this year. Um, uh, there was a few unexpected triumphs, right? But, you know, neither one of us were smart enough to draft Carlos Laura, for example. No. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, the guys I, I drafted, you know, uh, J.J. Necro really didn't do much in either the rotation or the bullpen this year. Um, I have a Starlin Rodriguez in my bullpen who literally became my least favorite reliever in the entire organization before he was finally released. And I say that just because it seemed like whenever I was watching either Rome or Augusta, whichever team that he happened to be on at any given time, it seemed like he, he came into pitch and usually was pretty bad anyway. So that's your finale for the, uh, Fantasy baseball draft that makes it three years in a row for me over Matt after Matt won the first one. So, um, Matt, I don't know what to say. Maybe you should get somebody else to do it for you. Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna fire myself. <laughs> I'm fall on my sword if I can manage to hit it. Nah, you're you're the Connie Mac of this thing. You're the owner and manager, so you you'll never lose a job. Uh, job security, baby. <laughs> All right, Matt, anything else you want to talk about? Nah, I think it's been a good episode, and uh, I guess maybe we'll look at doing it again, possibly after the uh, NLDS. Yeah, yeah, we'll we'll be back uh, talking about the playoffs and uh, Arizona Fall League, and and then after that, we'll be in uh, the silly season, the hot stove season, and uh, we'll probably go down to, you know, what is it, uh, maybe twice a month and then once a month in December and January, right. When it gets really quiet, but yeah, but ready to jump on if something, you know, important happens, but, um, but for now, yeah, we'll, we'll keep on keeping on. Sounds like a plan. All right. Hope everyone has a great week. Have a good one. No, Ni le bien qu'on m'a fait, ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien égal. Non, rien de rien. Non, je ne regrette rien. C'est payé. Souvenirs
allumé le feu Mes chagrins, mes plaisirs Je n'ai plus besoin d'eux Balayer les amours Avec leur trémolo Balayer pour toujours Je repars à zéro Rien, ni le bien qu'on m'a fait, ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien égal. Non, rien de rien, non, je ne regrette rien, car ma vie. 